So as we get started, I want to let you know about a privilege that I've had over the last uh, several months. And during that time, I've been meeting with a small group of men in what we call a preaching cohort. Joe was one of those men. Actually, Dax, who led this with his family, our Advent devotional, was another one. Uh, Jeff Lanott, and then Doug and Carrie, uh, Doug McAlpine and Carrie Gilbert. I think they were there just mainly to keep me in line, but... Uh, but I want you to know that this truly was one of the most encouraging experiences that I've had since I've been a pastor here at Melanie Park Church. These men sincerely wanted to learn how to rightly handle God's Word. And, and I sincerely wanted to teach them, but I also knew that I was going to learn right along with them. It, it was all based on Paul's words to Timothy in t- 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, These things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Well, I want you to know that these men have been faithful and humble and teachable, and I hope that through the year they'll be able to be blessed by their teaching as much as I was in our time spent together. And in time, I hope to do this with another group of men who share in that same desire to rightly handle God's Word. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be grateful that there are men in this church who have a desire to rightly handle God's Word, to speak His truth to His people so that they may be a part of building up the body of Christ to the praise and glory of His name. And I consider it a privilege to have spent time with them, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity that they will have to be a a blessing to you as well. So this morning, we're going to Shift gears a little bit, as you saw from the video and as you heard from Joe, we're going to be talking about hope. We're going to be talking about what it means to uh, wait on the Lord. It reminds me of a a story about a man by the name of Charles Elliott. Now, at this time, Mr. Elliott was about 90 years old. He was the president emeritus of Harvard University. And he decided one day that he was going to visit a neighbor who had recently welcomed home a a new baby. So he goes to their home, and they welcome him in warmly, and they have a nice conversation. And then shortly after visiting, uh, Mr. Elliot looked at the new mom and asked her, "Can, can I hold your baby? She was a little puzzled at first, perhaps, but was glad to comply, and so she gently took that newborn baby and put it into his feeble arms. And he just stared at him. Just stared at him, and then, over time, just gave the baby back to her mom. And he said, I've been looking at the end of life so long. I just wanted to see, for a few moments, its beginning. And I think what we see there is that Mr. Elliot wanted to see hope in the life of a newborn child. He looked, I'm sure, with wonder at who that child would become someday. And I think even as parents, we do the same, don't we? (laughs) We look at our kids with hopeful anticipation of who they will become. And we, we pray that they would grow strong, both physically and spiritually. But we also know there are no guarantees. Sometimes it just doesn't work out like we had hoped. And if we're not careful, when those things happen, we can become cynical and and pessimistic with age. Instead of being hopeful, we become critical, critical of everything that we see. 
We, we look to the future, and not with hope, but with worry and dread about how bad things are going to get. Instead of anticipating God's goodness with hopeful anticipation. You see, when, when we look at worry, it's because we have placed our hope in something other than the promises of God that are absolutely filled with hope. That certainly wasn't true for the man in our passage uh, this morning, Simeon. He was a man who was holding out hope that God would be faithful to his promises so that no matter how bad things may get, he never lost sight of God's power. He held firmly to that promise that we looked at last week in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, that says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. And I want to tell you this morning with the utmost assurance, when that's where you place your hope, you will not be disappointed no matter what age you are. So before we look at God's word this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are very grateful to open up your word, to see your truth, and to see the hope that you've promised for those who put their faith and trust in you. Lord, thank you for giving us a reason to do that by demonstrating your love for us in your life and your ministry, your death, your resurrection, and all the words of hope that, that are littered throughout the word of God that you have given to us. So Lord, as we look at your word this morning, would you open our eyes to see and our ears to hear the truth of your word, and we pray this in your name, amen. All right, turn if you would, if you're not already there, to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 21. I want us to walk through the passage that uh, Joe kindly read for us this morning. So let's do that beginning in verse 21. It said, when the eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of their, for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, in these first four verses, it is, they're filled with Jewish tradition, right? But a lot of this tradition that we look at is absolutely filled with hope. And it begins with Jesus' name. Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua means God is salvation. So even in the name itself, we see that there is hopeful anticipation. But we also learn about a ceremony that we learn says takes place after the days of purification are complete. So let's talk about it. Here's what that meant. According to the Old Testament law, a woman who gave birth to a male child was considered unclean for 40 days. This was because of the blood that was shed during the normal birthing process. It really had nothing to do with the woman's sinfulness or her inferiority in any way. Instead, it was God's loving provision 
for the sanctity of life and the birth that had just taken place. And really, I think ultimately, the purpose of purification was to declare the importance of holiness. And so, as soon as that time of purification was complete, both Mary and Joseph made their way to Jerusalem. And when they did, they went to offer a sacrifice at the temple. Because as we see in verse 23, the Old Testament law required a special sacrifice for the firstborn son. It was actually a sacrifice for the redemption of that child because it looked back to Israel's bondage in Egypt when the angel of death in that final plague took the life of every firstborn son. Unless, unless they were covered by the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorposts of that home. And and so in a sense, they were redeemed. They were redeemed, and this ceremony is intended to help us remember that they belong to God, that they are consecrated, set apart, as holy to God. And as we know, Jesus was a firstborn son, set apart, as holy. He is the one who would bring Redemption to the world, and, and not by, at, by offering a sacrifice, but by becoming a sacrifice. Our hope is fulfilled in Jesus, because he's the Lamb of God whose blood was shed. He's the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. So let's look at verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem who was, whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, as we know, there were a lot of men in Jerusalem at this time, but there was one in particular that the Bible says and describes as righteous and devout. But not because he was a religious leader, or or even one set apart by God as a a prophet or a priest. By by all accounts, Simeon was an average man. And yet, we find him in the company of some incredible people. Because we see here in our passage that he's described as righteous. And if you'll remember, it's just like Daniel was. And Job was as well. It also describes him as devout. That's a term that was used to describe Abraham, along with the Apostle Paul. So so Simeon was far from unimportant. He had a very important part in God's plan. We learn here from our passage that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. What that says is that he was looking for Israel's Messiah, the one who would bring divine deliverance to his people and redemption to the world. Simeon was a man who was living with hopeful anticipation. He believed that God was faithful to his promise, including the promise that God had made to him. And that promise was that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, which tells us that Simeon was looking for a savior, the one who would bring salvation to the world. And you get the sense that Simeon might be a little bit like Mr. Elliot, kind of maybe nearing the end of his life. And 
yet this didn't weaken his anticipation. In fact, I think his anticipation only grew stronger with time because as death drew near, so did the day in which that promise would be fulfilled and he would see the Lord's Christ. Well, that day has come. But before we go there, I want us to look at something that could be easily seen as a passing thought. And I need to tell you, it's not. In verse 25, it says that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. Then in verse 26, it says that the the Holy Spirit was the one who revealed that promise to God from God to Simeon. And then if you look at verse 27, it says the Spirit came upon Simeon when he came into the temple. So that's three times in three verses, which is not a passing thought, right? What that tells us is that the presence of the Holy Spirit is why Simeon was righteous and devout. The presence of the Holy Spirit is why he heard and and understood God's word that was spoken. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit that led him to that place that day. Apart from the Holy Spirit, none of these things happen. And the same is true for you and I. The Holy Spirit is how we understand and know how to apply God's word to our lives. The Holy Spirit is how we learn to follow God's will. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we don't even know we need a, a Savior. The Bible tells us that no one says Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. So, so we can learn a lot from the life of Simeon because everything about him, his righteousness, his devotion, his discernment, even his joy. All of these things are present in his life because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is not a side note in the passage. This is a really vitally important point. Let's see how that plays out, beginning in verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When parents brought the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, just as you had promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So this, I think, is a beautiful moment. And and so I want us to think about this encounter. That Mary and Joseph, along with the baby Jesus, come to the temple to present their offering. And we need to know that they're among hundreds, probably even thousands of people that had gathered there that day for similar reasons. Simeon was one of those men in that mass of people who was there worshiping God. But somehow... (laughs) By God's intent, as they were walking through the courtyard of the temple, their eyes suddenly meet. Simeon looks at the baby Jesus, and then he looks into the eyes of Mary and Joseph. And in that moment, I think they all knew that this was a divine encounter. God had undeniably led them to this place. The reason I feel strongly about this, because it reminds me of a divine encounter that Terry and I had about 17 years ago. 
At the time, I was working in the hospital, and I was going to travel for continuing education. And uh, this particular conference happened to be in Nashville. And uh, I normally didn't do this, but I invited Terry to come along with me because I hadn't been to Nashville, and she hadn't been to Nashville, and it seemed like a pretty neat city, so why not experience it together? So I invited her to come along. About two weeks before we left, we sat down with some friends who told us about a place called Mercy Ministries. Now, we didn't know anything about it, but it seemed like they had a really special heart for God and helping young girls who were in difficult situations. So we thought, well, it's kind of nice to, to be able to go see that while we're there since it's right there in Nashville, but man, that's a big city and we don't know a way around and we won't even have a car, so I'm not sure how that'll work. So we thought, well, let's call Daniel and Emily Tardy. Well, Daniel and Emily had grown up in Melanie Park, and not too long before that call, they had just moved to Nashville. And so we just called them randomly and said, hey, I know this is out of the blue, but we want to see a place called Mercy Ministries. Have you ever, you ever heard of that? Do you know where it is? And Daniel said, <laughs> he said, I don't just know where it is. I'm looking out my kitchen window. It's across the street. I said, Wow. Would you mind coming and picking us up and, and letting us go visit? And so we made an appointment, and we spent time at Mercy Ministries, and we were overwhelmed with how good and right things were and how they served the needs of these young girls in this home. And they took us on a tour and showed us around and, and all the things that they did in their service and and one of the things that they told us was that, uh, you know, they, they help girls in all kinds of situations. Some of them may be pregnant, and in that case, they, they may consider adoption, and so they help them through that process. But they went on to tell us that, that uh, there weren't any girls in the home at that time who, who were pregnant, and, and there was a long list of adopted families that were wanting to be considered. And so we didn't know how all this was working out, but we knew that this was a divine appointment. We weren't sure how things were going to play out, but we just knew that we were right where God wanted us to be. Well, about a month later, we had uh, gone through all the steps for qualification to be adopted parents. About a month later, we get a call from Mercy Ministry, and they say, listen, there was a young girl who was one of our other homes has been moved to Nashville. She's fairly late in her pregnancy, and we just wanted you to know that you're one of eight families, <laughs> one of eight families that she's considering, because they allowed the girl to make the choice. She's the mom. Well, we were surprised, as you might expect, and, 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 and a little bit fearful as to, okay, what's going to happen here? Well, two weeks later, we get another call, and they told us that she had chose you. And then, just a, few, just a few months later, by the way, this all started in February, and then on July 24th, Grant was born, and a few days later, he was in our home. Our hope had been fulfilled. God had undeniably led us to that place. And, and I tell you that story because I believe that's exactly what's happening here in our passage. 
Simeon knew that when he took that child into his arms, that this was the promised Messiah. This was the hope, the hope that had now been fulfilled. He gave thanks to God, and he said, now I can die in peace. Why? Because my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And that salvation, he says, is not only for the Jews, it's for all the people. Just like the angels told the shepherds. Now, he went on to tell us that it'd be a revelation to the Gentiles. Why? Because they weren't looking for a Messiah. So it'd be a revelation to them. But for the Jews, for Israel, it'd be the glory of Israel. Because the promise that God had made, that they knew about, would now be fulfilled. So as, as we close, I want us to kind of bring all this home because, as I mentioned earlier, I think we have a lot in common with Simeon. I see three specific ways, and so I want us to walk through those together. Number one is this. Just like Simeon, our hope is in the Son. Just like Simeon, our hope is in the Son. He is the one who brings divine deliverance to us. Apart from Christ, the scripture is clear, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Our hope is in the Son. He came to rescue us from our sins. It's like that passage we looked at or quoted during during. Uh, communion this morning, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us. You see, we need to understand that, that Jesus was born in order to die, giving his life as a ransom, redeeming us from the penalty of death setting us apart as holy and blameless in the eyes of God. And when we place our faith in him, we need to understand that we are made righteous. Paul speaks of that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, when he says, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law out of things that I do, but instead that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of, of faith, our hope is in the Son, and that hope is fulfilled through faith. And this is a hope. Don't miss this. This is a hope that will never disappoint. Again, the scripture tells us that as well. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within the hearts of his people through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So that really brings us to the second thing we have in common with Simeon. The Holy Spirit is upon us, giving us understanding of the truth that is revealed to us in God's word. As Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, natural man, so man apart from the Spirit, does not accept the things of God. In fact, they are foolishness to him. So there are those who don't have the, the Spirit of God who listen even on a Sunday morning to the truths of God and they're saying, ah, I don't believe that stuff. It's silliness. Because in the absence of the Spirit of God, that's what we see. They cannot understand them because they are 
spiritually appraised. In other words, God's Spirit is the only means by which we can understand and apply God's Word. So just like Simeon, we need to know because the Spirit dwells within us that God speaks to us. And he speaks to us most clearly through his word. So if you want to hear God's voice, and I hope you do, then spend time in God's word. It's where you find encouragement and and correction and direction. It's living and active. It speaks to our hearts. It, It nourishes our souls. And here's the most important reason. It's where we find Jesus. Everything in Scripture points to him. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes in Jesus. When you go to God's word, you find Jesus, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Finally, the third thing we have in common with Simeon is we too are looking for the Messiah. We are longing to see Christ. Now, Simeon was looking for his first coming, right? When he would bring salvation to the world. We are looking for his second coming when that salvation is made complete. And just like Simeon, every day we live is one day closer to his return. So does that mean then, like Simeon, that we too should Not grow weak in our anticipation with time, but greater because every day we live is one day closer to seeing our Savior. I love how Paul puts these two pieces together, and I'd love for us to look at this together. So turn, if you would, to Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I think this is a really important verse, so I want us to read it together, beginning in verse 11. Titus Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, right? All right, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So I love how Paul kind of bookends the two realities. He says, he begins with the first coming, the day when when grace appeared is the way he describes it, When, when Jesus came. And brought salvation to the world. And he calls them who have put their trust in Christ, knowing that they don't belong to this world, to live for something more than this world. He tells us to put off the old self, where there's ungodliness and worldly desires, and instead put on the new self, which he says is is living sensibly and righteously and, and godly in this present age. This is our lifestyle when we belong to God. The scripture tells us we are ambassadors for Christ. No matter how bad things get, we should live with a hope-filled expectation of seeing 
our Savior face to face. Just like Simeon, we are looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's when our hope is ultimately fulfilled. So find hope in God's Son. Find strength in God's Word. Find assurance in God's promises. Don't put your hope in this world. Put your hope in the promises of God. Because when that's where you put your hope, you will never, ever be disappointed. Because he who promised is faithful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word and the power of divine encounters. Thank you for still working in our lives today just like we saw with Simeon. Because we too have your spirit within us that allows us to hear your voice and to understand your truth and to apply it to our lives. Father, we are strengthened because of your presence that is with us every day. So Father, may we trust in you more than we trust in the world. May we trust in you more than we trust ourselves. Father, may we look expectantly for your return. And when our eyes are on you and your anticipated return, may it change the way we live our daily lives. We live in a way that wants to bring glory and honor to you. That gives people a picture of Jesus. So that when you do come, they'll know that's him. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. I think it's good to be reminded that as God's people, we are called to be people of hope. And let's be honest, that's rather difficult in the world in which we live today. How many of you get really hopeful when you watch the news? Seriously. But how often, I mean, how much time do we spend watching it? How many of you get hopeful, and more and more so, the longer you spend on social media? And yet, look at how much time we spend doing it. And so let me encourage you to make sure that in everything that you hear, whether it's on the news or in social media or whatever place that you might be, that you have this reaction that no matter how bad the news may seem, you say this, yeah, but, but Jesus. Yeah, but God, God promises. So that you are anchored in the truth of what God says and you're not moved by what you hear in the world because that's where our hope is found. And we are people of hope. So let's live that out together. Amen? Have a great day.